So, it is early morning in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I've climbed a hill just above my home. And it's one of those things where every morning I wake up and I see this beautiful hill and I go, oh gosh, uh, tomorrow morning I'll climb it, tomorrow morning I'll climb it. And of course, tomorrow morning never comes, (laughs) as we all know. Um, What's really good about it is that when I hike up here, there's a special stump that I sit on and look down into the valley. And it always starts me thinking about things. And something I'm thinking about this morning is... If I had a magic wand, what would I do to make karate better? (laughs) I'm just so you know I don't have a magic wand. But I thought, what the hell, I'll do a little bit of a wish list. So, is as follows. Oh, and pardon the birds singing sweetly in the background, but it's just so lovely and peaceful up here. So, my wish list, one that people would be unafraid of trying things outside their comfort zone when it comes to karate. How many times have you been to a dojo or are you in a dojo or I know that I've been in certain dojo where you're not allowed to, for instance, you're allowed to spar but you're allowed to punch and kick. You're not allowed to use open hand techniques and I'm talking safely and within reason. You're not allowed to sweep and if you go down to the ground, you get stood straight back up because uh, there's no grappling because a lot of instructors feel as though it's an affront to their style and put, I guess, boundaries in their way. I know I certainly used to. Oh, we don't go to the ground, um, which is all very well. Um, but you know what I've found for me with grappling, adding grappling to my personal training, it's added a dimension to my karate, uh, to my, for want of a better word, my stand-up. I'd like to see kobudo, or at least weapon work, done at an earlier stage, or done at all, in the dojo, especially with kids. Now people may say, oh, you know, using weapons and so on and so forth. I know there's a lot of dojo out there that say you have to be a certain level dan-wise or grade-wise to start learning weapons. I think if we had introduced weapons earlier, I think it would broaden the experience and I think that would really impact upon the retention rates in most dojo. And that's kind of a cynical thing to say, I, I know. But I think that it would also make the training more fun. I think that it would show the depth of the culture, the Okinawan culture, the Japanese culture, um, and bring a deeper appreciation of, of the martial arts in general. And especially when you look at people who are perhaps um, a little bit older, perhaps have injuries, perhaps are returning to training after a long spell off. Um, you know, you know that person who was a brown belt in the early 90s and then for one reason or another, perhaps an injury, they gave up training. Or rather had to give up training because um, life happened as it does. I'd like to see interstyle training. 
Everyone says that, I know. Interstyle training. And I mean that in the old way of doing karate, from what I understand, they created study groups where people, different practitioners of different styles, would get together and exchange technique and exchange philosophies and exchange um, perhaps application on a kata or, or weapons kata or just a general approach, which was always really cool to me. That sounds really appealing. It doesn't often happen because we all have our egos and we all have, I guess, our little territories that we'd like to protect. I'd also like to see more women training in the martial arts. I would like to see actively an active approach to bringing more diversity into our dojo and you may think oh my gosh you know politically correct politically correct but I think that for me the dojo can be a microcosm of the world if we choose to see it as such and it can be a place in which we're learning more than just about karate and martial arts and fighting and self-defense lastly (laughs) I would like to see people taking a more proactive approach to getting pronunciation correct yes people have often said well we know we don't live in Okinawa we don't live in Japan so you know what does it matter well it matters because I know for me as someone who comes from an indigenous culture that is mispronounced all the time as a matter of course it means a lot to me when people make the attempt to get it right I don't want to hear anymore my gearies or kata or uh, what's a good one mawashid when someone gets a mawashigiri to the head (laughs) or whatever people say oh you got mawashigiried yeah, I'd like to see people taking pronunciation really seriously because I think it's a opportunity to be a real role model in trying to at least make a sincere effort to understand other cultures and languages. And I think for the kids growing up these days, connection is often something which happens online with screens and likes and thumbs up and things like that. But actually being able to see it happen in the dojo, people being able to say, hey, actually, I'm not sure how to pronounce this and trying to find a way, trying to do their best, at least making a, a sincere effort, speaks volumes. So that is my wish list. That is some things that I'm thinking about sitting on my little log in my valley here in Aotearoa on this beautiful morning. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're training well. Take care of yourself and have a beautiful, beautiful day.